you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our walk through the parables of Lent, and we've gotten to my, my favorite one, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, it, it's, it's my favorite one, and it's a favorite of a lot of other people as well. Um, Rembrandt uh, painted this portrait. Uh, he called it the parable of the prodigal son. And it's the picture of the, the father welcoming the son back. And a Rembrandt, Rembrandt painted himself as the returning prodigal son there. It's one of his best paintings. Um, Shakespeare's Henry IV uh, has two sons who are loosely based off these two sons in this parable as well. In fact, another classic, classic story uh, has this parable as a base as well. If you remember the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, which is much like Shakespeare. Again, based off the parable of the prodigal son. So it's a, it's a, it's a, lot, of, a lot of good stories. And what makes this parable so great is that we can picture ourselves in the roles. Families often have kids who take these roles. There will be a responsible one, and then there will be a rebel. You see that in your families? They've done studies, and they've found that in studies where there's a parent who's an alcoholic, the kids will take these roles. They will. There'll be a child who is a rebel and to deflect attention away from the parent. There'll be a child who's very responsible to fill in the gap left by a parent. If there's more kids in the family, they'll take other roles. There'll be a clown role uh, that'll be filled in this family. But even in families that don't take the fun out of dysfunctional, these roles exist. And sometimes they switch back and forth. Sometimes you're like, you're the rebel today, and you're the responsible one. What happened? It happens in families. And I think Jesus uses this illustration because God calls us his kids. We're his kids. And we're his kids because God is creator, and we are his created. We're his children. And he calls us his kids because we act like his kids. And we fill these roles. And Jesus says, I know the perfect story. It goes a little bit like this. A father had two sons. One is called a prodigal son, which you think means rebellious and reckless, but really just means extravagant or even wasteful. But it doesn't start well. He's introduced to us in the story. He says, Dad, I would like my share of the estate. Which sounds uh, just as bad back then as it does today. I mean, imagine. Imagine a kid going to his dad and saying, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. But since you're not dead yet, can I have my inheritance now? Imagine a kid saying that. I know what would happen if I said that to my dad. My dad would say, well, there's going to be a recent death around here, but it won't be mine. <laughs> and amazingly, the dad agrees. He agrees. And we're never told why. Perhaps the father wanted to show extreme, generous love to his son in order to win him back. 
Perhaps the father is thinking, if I do this, maybe now he'll turn around. And maybe now he'll become a true child of mine. Or perhaps this father knows the son so well, he knows what's going to happen. He knows his son will hit rock bottom. And the son will repent and turn around and come back home. Perhaps that's the reason. Jesus never says. All he says is the father fulfills this incredible request and shows incredible love. And the son could care less. He moves away. He moves far away. And he is reckless with his generous gift. You would not want to be the parent of this child, but you would want to be his friend because he is fun. He's, he's, a, he's the life of the party. He has a party at his house all the time. And it's always a great time. You would want to be this guy's friend. But the fun doesn't last. And the money doesn't last. And he gets desperate. He gets so desperate that he hires himself out to feed pigs. And he even says to himself, He's so hungry, and he's so desperate, he wishes he could eat the pig's food. So Jesus is telling this parable in a Jewish context, (laughs) in a context where you don't touch pork. You don't come near pork. You don't allow people to raise pork pigs on on your property. And here's this nice Jewish boy wishing he was a pig. This is as bad as it gets. It's as bad as it gets. And on, in our context here today, this, the sun has hit rock bottom. And whatever that means in our context today is what it means in this parable. Rock bottom. The lowest of the lows. That's it. This kid is struggling. He comes to his senses. He remembers that he has a father who loves him. He comes home. There's another son. He's introduced at the very beginning of the story. There was a father who had two sons, and we hear nothing of him. And he's next introduced near the end of the story, and he says there was another son, the older son, working in the field. Of course he is. He's the responsible son. Everyone else is at the party, and he's still working in the field. This is the son that every parent wants, and nobody wants as a friend, because he's still working in the field. And there's a party going on. And he argues with his dad. And he feels underappreciated and unloved. And he believes his dad is a fool. So I want to ask you, which child are you? And you may think, well, I'm the responsible one. That's, that's me. But there's a problem here. Because this responsible child is, is righteous. Or to paraphrase one popular song, he's righteous and he knows it. Which means he's self-righteous. 
So I want to ask you, which is worse? To be a sinner and know it? Or to be a sinner and not know it? Because this responsible son is a self-righteous son. And he's just as much a sinner as his younger brother. But he doesn't know it. He doesn't. This parable presents two extremes. A righteous child, an unrighteous child, a child who thinks he's righteous but really isn't. It's often the two extremes we fall into. We fall into one side which is just rebelling against God. We're going against his will and we're saying, Lord God, I just don't care. Or we fall into the other extreme and we do all the right things and we say all the right things. We pop up our jersey and say, look at me, God. Look at me. I keep all the rules and I'm never self-righteous. And if that's you today, I think we may just diagnose the problem. <laughs> and this story, there's only one righteous person. There's only one correct person. There's only one person who truly loves and is truly good, and it's the dad. Many commentators have said the parable of the prodigal son is, is a bad name. It really should be called the parable of the loving father. Which leads us to this question. Which kid did the father love more? It's every kid's question, right? I have a twin brother. We would debate this often. We would debate which one of us was the spare. Because my dad would tell us, one of you's the spare. You both better shape up. I'm not telling you which one's the spare, but one of you. I did it once, I can make another one just like you again, your mother will never know. <laughs> and we know the correct answer, right? The dad loves both of them equally. That's the correct answer. We know this, we know this, but let's be honest, it looks like the younger son's getting more love, right? He gets a party. They kill a fattened calf. For the younger son, the rebellious son. The older son looks like he's getting the shaft. He gets to work. But the father humbles himself for both of his kids. The father knows his younger son will fail and will come back needing help. And he is waiting for him. He is watching the road into town. And when he sees his son come into town, he runs to him. Because he loves his son. In the same way, the older son, the responsible, the self-righteous son, will not come into the party. And the father, in this context, in this culture, humiliates himself by leaving the party and going out to his older son. He shows extreme love, extraordinary love to both of them. Because both kids are dishonoring their dad, and he loves them anyway. And we know how the story ends, too. It's interesting. Jesus doesn't finish the parable. The parable ends with the father talking to his older son, and we never know the older son's response. But we know how the story ends. The self-righteous son kills the father. 
Because that's what they did to Jesus. The self-righteous and the religious people, they killed Jesus. They killed the one showing extraordinary grace and love to all. And they said, you're not following the rules. You're not doing it right. You need to leave. We need to get rid of you. That's how the story ends. It's a bad ending. And so how do we stop sliding back and forth? How do we stop sliding from one extreme of rebellious to the opposite extreme, extreme of self-righteousness? How does that stop? There's only one way. We stop and we embrace the Father's love shown to us through Jesus. The one who came and who died for all. The rebellious and the self-righteous. He died for all of us. There isn't a single person here who falls in the category of third child. Third child, off-seen, not loved. No one falls in that category. Every single one of you here falls in the category of loved by God. Redeemed by Jesus. His blood shed for you. The only way to stop sliding from one extreme to the other is to embrace Jesus' love for you. It's a love he showed when he came and he died on that Good Friday and rose on that great Easter. It's the only way. Because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We're all rebellious. We all want something that isn't ours. We're all great at rationalizing our own behavior. We're really good at it. We all think things that if they were projected on a screen would embarrass us. We are all sinners. And my friends, we are all self-righteous. All of us. Deep down, we all believe that if people would just think the way we think and do things the way we want them done, it'd be a much better world. Amen? <laughs> we are all self-righteous. And if we had the chance, we would play God. Change your behavior, change your behavior. I'm really going to change your behavior. We're all sinners. We're all rebellious. And we're all self-righteous. And we all need grace. We all need grace. It's the Father's love and the grace of Jesus that calls sinners home and brings self-righteous to their knees. And so I ask you, which kid are you? At least today. Or we go back and forth. But today, which one are you? If there's something in your life, if there's something in your life that uh, is, making, is, is in your rebellion against God, there's something that's causing you from keeping from following Jesus with a whole heart, the whole soul, and your, your whole mind. You're saying, Lord Jesus, I love you, but this part of my life, it's mine. And I'm not turning it over. If you're rebelling against God, it's time to leave. It's time to leave that pig of sin and come home. And come home, it's time. Today's the day.
you're self-righteous. If you find it difficult to extend grace, or if you don't find it all that incredible or surprising that God loves you, because after all, who wouldn't? It's time to leave the fields of self-righteousness and come home and join the party. It's time. Jesus Christ died and rose for you and for me. And we all need grace. And the Father is welcoming you home. And not only that, the Father's inviting you to invite other people to the party. Because there's people around you, and I promise you, they're either rebellious or self-righteous. And some days, both. And they need grace. And they need to come home. And they need to be invited to the party, too. Because it's a grace party. It's the best party in the world. It's for you. Amen? Amen. May the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord, the life everlasting. Amen. Let's sing our closing song. Let's stand and sing our closing song. He's...